Ladies and gentlemen, we are live on another episode of The Beer Phase. It's time to roll some beer and drink some dice. for another beer phase with your wannabe hosts Mark Cox Dice fucking cancer Ryan Smith If paint were battle points I'd be best general every time and Jeff Swan Softest lists and everything else in the south Well, howdy, everyone. Uh, it's November or December, depending on when we release it. Life is good, and Alamo is, thank God, in the books for another I think year. this will get out in the next, like, two weeks. Two days. Nah, two days. I just wanted to take shots, Wednesday. guys. You don't want me to take shots, I won't take shots. It's not like I do anything but come on here and talk. Right? Wednesday tomorrow or you know, Wednesday next Wednesday? When tomorrow's Tuesday, you dumb fuck. Shut up, dude. I'm... I'm all sorts Some of weird don't on, on work, work right now. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> so there's that. If there was a trail for conversation, it has been derailed at the station before it even we left. We are professional derailers. You know, there is a there's a lost episode on Four Foot Snake that they are still editing two months later because they have been so derailed they have to try to patchwork it together. Well, the problem there is clearly that they're doing editing. Mm-hmm. Totally. So before we get to all of the stuff that no one cares about, hey, Mark, what are you drinking? What are you drinking out of? I've got this uh, New Belgian uh, gluten-free beer. It's gluteny is what it's called. It's a blonde ale. Uh, it's a little hoppier than I was kind of thinking it would be, but it's all right. I mean, it's decent little drinker. Ryan, what do you got? What are you drinking out of? I am drinking a Sir Williams English Brown Ale from Grapevine Brewery up in Grapevine, Texas. Uh, It's a great little almost nutty brown ale, but it's not quite where I was thinking it would be. It's kind of earthy instead. I'm really digging it. I'm drinking it out of a Hangover Heroes glass. Jeff, what are you drinking? What are you drinking it out of? Well, I went down to one of my favorite little breweries the other day, Malai Kitchen, and uh, picked up uh, some uh, another growler worth of the three C porter. So it's a it's a porter with uh, three Thai chilies in it, and really hits the spot. A little malty, nice dark without being too heavy. It's nice. Dig it. 
and I am drinking it out of my Little Rock, Arkansas Lost 40 brewing glass. Nice! Yep. So, I'm ready to get a roll on. Ryan, this is Howdy. your tournament, so let's let you lead us on into everything that there was at Alamo this year and what everybody missed out on and why they should be there next year. Alamo was a beautiful, chaotic mess. We went through, I think, five kegs by the time it was over, and most of their bottle collection. My bar tab was less than it has been in previous years, but I still sank a formidable amount into alcohol, which was good. Um, we didn't have a lot of rules arguments, per se. There were a couple of carry it over. I think the most frequent expression I made the entire weekend is, well, what does the rule book say? And it went so well that I have a secret TO binder that I carry around with me that I put in paint scores and important things I'm supposed to say by the next game. And I wrote in big Sharpie on it, fuck off. And I consulted that binder anytime someone asked me a question that I knew was in the rules and they just needed to look up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's see if that's in my folder. Flip over. So it was wonderful, and that's why you should come. But more important than that, we decided to make Alamo a fundraiser this year for Extra Life. Uh, for those of you who watch streaming games, stuff like that, Extra Life, you may have heard of it before. It's a fundraiser for children's hospitals that's put on by mostly uh, video streamers, uh, video game streamers. But there's a large proportion of tabletop gamers that have started doing it. So we made Alamo a fundraiser for it. We offered reroll tokens that people could buy that worked on Saturday. And just from doing that, we raised $1,465 for the Children's Hospital of San Antonio. Nice. I'm giddy. I thought we'd raise about 500 bucks. I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I'm happy. So that's why you should come to Alamo for the children. It's not about necessarily just going and getting drunk and playing games. You're helping a good cause. What did you guys think of it from the player perspective? Why should you go? What worked? What didn't work? Besides the paint judging. Um, I, I had a really good time. Uh, it did feel a little different this year, and I don't think it was because of the games or anything. I think it was just a, a really different room than we've had in the past. Uh, you know, Ryan, correct me if, if you think that's off, but it, it felt like, I don't, I don't know, like it didn't seem like it was as an intense as a competition room as it has been in past years. I mean, did you get that vibe or I did. There was a lot more collab. Whenever there was a dispute, it was collaborating to get the right answer rather than, well, I'm right. No, well, I'm right. No, well, screw you. Yeah. Well, fuck you. That wasn't happening. And on top tables, that always happens game five or six. I think we only had one tense game on the top ten tables. And that was more player style than it was anything else. Yeah, I, um, I felt... a, a little bit of impassable water, too, I've heard. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the issues. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so, I mean, for me, I had a great time. It was fun. I had a bunch of uh, really top end players that I ended up running up against. So I had a, I probably had one of the hardest strength of schedules in the room, if not the hardest strength of schedule in the room. I uh, got to got to play uh, Robbie King on game one, and then I got kind of softballed uh, with the uh, little Schnell, which he had an amazing hard army. It just didn't work out for him versus me. But then I rolled up versus. Um, 
uh, game three. Brad McKay then followed that with Steve Schifani, and then Dustin Howard, who, spoiler, won the tournament, and then uh, game six was versus Eric Nelson, which was a all-shooty Ratkin army. It just, it was a, it was a really good strength of schedule, <laughs> for sure. But all in all, I can say that the the room was pretty decently, yeah, lighthearted. I would say I don't think I got any like super intense altercations with anybody where I was just like, fuck it, <laughs> you know. Um, but there was still a lot of misunderstanding of rules by multiple people, I think, in the room. And it just, it's just one of those things that were, I think that people get stuck in this, like, this is how we play it over here type of a thing. And then everybody just kind of like assumes that that's how it is. And then you consult the rule book and you're like, oh, but it's we've been doing that wrong. That, or, or, exactly. Oh, we've been doing it wrong. But since we all do it wrong, it's okay. So, you know, so, something that I noticed is that uh, even though we've gotten what like eight or ten tournaments with Kings of War under our belt, mm-hmm. not counting the hundreds of practice games, sure, I still I still catch old Warhammer stuff kind of creeping back in. Yeah, it happens. I mean, and there's a lot of other people that have the same issue, I think, but you know, they kind of overwrite rules with what they with the way that things used to be and stuff. And it's just like, that's just not how it is. Like I, (laughs) it's just like the one inch, one inch rule is even different, you know, and everybody just assumes it's the same and it's not. So, yeah, that was one of the things that kept coming up was one inch, uh, non-contacted enemies on a charge. Yeah. And I had used to ignoring that. I had people closing the door wrong and like just assuming that closing the door happens in this game and it, came up to be like an actual issue i had people not understanding majority of unit they thought it was majority of like the leader point of the unit and it's just like no man like it it's it's this way like i must have got called over for no no less than like 15 rules questions i mean i know that i had oh, to so call now you i know why they weren't for... asking me for many right well exactly but i mean like i got because i was right next to people and they were asking me because they know that like i'll give them a straight answer on it type of type of issue or like you're completely across the room but i still came to you to ask because it's your tournament if you get to make the final rule i know what the rule is but you get to make the final rule regardless so um it was just funny i was like i gave him a couple rulings and i said if you don't like what i have to say you're more than welcome to go ask ryan i'm just telling you you're gonna hear the same thing from me from him so <laughs> um so yeah, and I mean, one of them was uh, was a ruling against Sean Malloy, which you know I would love to give him the benefit of the doubt and give him you know two more victory points in the long run, but just regardless, the rule is what it is, and he's wrong. You know what I mean? So, um, but all in all, I I think that it was just people being lazy instead of like going and looking and showing this is the rule for it like i'm always in favor of if it's not really that big of a deal i'm not going to argue with you about it just go ahead and keep playing and see if it matters you know because you only have so much time to get it done but mm-hmm. but it was uh it was a great tournament man and thanks to david bowman me and robbie got smushed for game <laughs> one so it was good it was good that was a good move on his part right so Got one of you knocked down for a bit. Yeah, well, I don't know. He still placed it. He outplaced me. Yeah, he submarined up. Yeah, not by much though. Two points. Yeah. yeah. Well, that also put one of you in a, a harder bracket. Mm-hmm. So you were taking games that the Bowman didn't have to take. 
That's true. That is true. I uh, I had another saying by the end of the night. If you don't like who your opponent is, you should have done better or worse in your last game. Right? <laughs> Seriously. For those of you who haven't sat behind the desk, TOs, when they set matchups, they don't go through and go, ooh, these two guys don't go along. We hit generate, and then we look to make sure there's not some flagrantly wrong thing, and that's it. Yep. There are 60 people in that room. I can't take time to go, oh, Jeff's got Brad McKay. He's not going to be as happy about that as he would be if he was up against Bowman or if he was up against right. someone else. Yeah. We just we don't have time to do it. I'm trying to get games out in 15 minutes. So if you didn't like your opponents, I'm sorry. Do better or do worse. Well, and that's, that's anyway. part of the beauty of the, uh, the 20 scale that we use. <clears throat> yep. You know, if you score 19 and the other guy across from you scored 19... You're gonna Y'all play are each supposed other. to play, yeah. Yeah, yep. <laughs> it's, it's it's not like well, you know, he got a hundred point win and I got a two thousand point win, you know, and I shouldn't right. be playing him because my my win was bigger, but we scored it the same. It, a win is a win if you're nineteen or if you're eighteen or if you're seventeen, you're gonna play somebody in that that point category. So yeah, it's people still have that issue. Well, that's yeah. what happened to they... poor Ethan Schnell, dude. Is like, yeah. he's like, yeah, he yeah I rolled up oh, yeah. Lance. I rolled up yeah. Lance. He got <laughs> he 19. And he's, like, and then he's like, shit, I'm playing Jeff Swan. I'm like, oh, this poor kid. Like, he doesn't even know what's about to happen. And I was like, no, not taking the 20. You get a 19. <laughs> a 19 one. You're getting a point. I can't. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sending the kid away with zero. You just can't do it. But he was a great game. I, that was really cool too to see the diversity in the room you know what i mean like the diversity in player you know we had uh, a bunch of californians that came out that even though they uh even though they don't actually play kings of war or a very small amount of kings of war they still came out hung out played the tournament um we've had three Schnells. or four that came down and didn't even play they just hung out yep just yep. hung out so. we had like three or four of them yeah, but it was good, man. I dug it, dug it, dug it. You want to walk through the games, talk about what you liked, what you didn't, how they went for you? Sure. Do you have the scenarios that uh, I do? They're right in front of me. Awesome. That would help, considering that was like three weeks ago, and I've been <laughs> on constant vacation since then. Oh, Mark checked out. Totally checked out. <laughs> so did I. So the first game we did was El Mal Ojo. Uh, this one was closed list, so you didn't reveal any magical artifacts when you started. Only uh, unit upgrades like Mastiffs and stuff like that. Um, deployment in this one was not 12 inches straight across. Uh, you had a side that was 9 inches and a side that was 18 inches, and then you shot the difference between them. So it was already putting people on uncertain footing, because I think every single game of Kings of War I've played, except maybe one or two games during campaign day, were all just boring 12-inch deployments. Uh, for deployment, yeah. whoever traveled furthest from home to get to the tournament got a plus one. And then to roll off for first turn, whoever drove the furthest in that morning to get to the tournament got a plus one. So there was something if you were a local, and there was something if you lived far away. Because if you live far away, you were staying close to the venue. Uh, game one was kill. For Shurals, we gave everyone a magical artifact called El Mal Ojo. Uh, it had to be given to a unit with no artifact, or they could drop an artifact if they had to. Um, it gave the unit the, ev the spell the Evil Eye, which worked just like Bane Chant, except backwards. 
So you targeted it on an enemy unit, and it gave a minus one uh, piercing and minus one crushing strength. Uh, Bane Chant could offset it if you had both on the same unit. Nerf those bitches up. Yep, I liked that one. So I rolled up versus uh, Robbie because we had a challenge, and so he is rocking a really stout um, uh, Varengar army, which is all defense five everywhere. Um, and versus what I brought for my Abyssals, maybe not so great for me. So I'm coming into this one realistically list on list, uh, not looking to be favored. Um, when it's paper on paper um but you know i'm i'm pretty decent player so i set robbie up just right and uh gave him a couple options to come in and hit things and just kind of dared him to do it he did it and it didn't work out so hot for him he had uh basically one role that could have really turned the tide for the entire game didn't work out for him and uh it it uh cost him pretty hard um the the he only needed like a six twice to break a unit and then he would have overrun got all these reforms just like rolled me up pretty bad but i took the i took the gamble he uh he failed to to break the unit and uh then i got some flanks and some rears and stuff started getting killed all over the place and i ended up taking a taking a 19 one from robbie but the most important thing is is we drank 13 beers each <laughs> uh, in game one because uh, David Bowman had us challenge each other. Well, he challenged the two of us to play each other. So the rule was he was going to have to pay for our beers. So realistically, we both won that. <laughs> David's wallet was the loser. <laughs> Mark, who did you end up playing against and how did you do? I played Brian Brown and I really hate that you ask and no, you didn't. We, shut up, I'm not done yet. But Brian Brown pitched out and didn't show up. Actually, he had personal things that kept him from coming. So I ended up playing the ringer, which should be an easy sled. <laughs> but Ryan's ringer was actually pretty pretty stout. And uh, we did it the night before, so there were a lot of guys helping the ringer out because the ringer had never played before. So... I ended up losing something I, like 800 points in the bottom swing of turn six or seven and going from like an 18 or a 19 point win down to like a 15 point win. Uh, I tried but it, very hard to stack the deck in your favor. Uh, you did, but then you had guys like Jeff Swan walking by going, oh no, you should totally think about this. It's like, shut, <laughs> shut up. Uh, but that was all right. I mean, he was learning the game, and I think he got. He a had never played it. a single game of Kings of War, <laughs> so I was no. like, "Hey, robbed, robbed me of my free twenty, you dick." Sorry about it. No, no, it's all right. What really almost got me was Sean almost told him not to charge something because Sean knew it was in my army, and I was like, mm -mm. "Shut the fuck up! It's closed list. It's closed list." <laughs> Thankfully, yeah, I was just. Uh... Thankfully, he doesn't know anything about options. the game, so he yeah. didn't know, like, oh, yeah, when I go and slam into that, I'm going to blow everything up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but it was a good game, and I that got me out of uh, playing duty on game one on Saturday, so I could walk around and help you if you needed help and stuff. I did to set up initially. Yeah, but... So, after that, we took a quick break... 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, do you want to talk the scenario a little? We can. I don't care. I'm easy. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it came out pretty. I mean, it was. It was essentially pretty much a kill. Um, and then I was able to use the uh, Mal Oho to reduce a crushing strength on his um, auto include uh, dire fang riders. Um, so I could kind of wussy those boys up and then force them to take a charge they didn't necessarily want. Um, and capitalize on if you take the charge, I'm going to come destroy this unit and he's just like well i gotta do something so and he put all of his all of his eggs in one basket a second time and that was the game pretty much so uh didn't work out so hot but uh Excellent. yeah it was a cool it was cool it was basically kill as i i like i like it. if you're gonna do a kill scenario i think it should be the first scenario just because it's one of those like you know shake the shake the dust loose don't have to think too crazy much just go play the game i like and killing then, the uh, end of the at the yeah. end of the tournament better than the start uh, of the tournament i'm cool with it either way but uh it, it was it was good um liked liked it we have had enough flavor to um offset kind of what i needed specifically is because his whole army's got crushing strength so there's not a thing in the army it's not useful against so yep I just threw the spell to get the uh, the bonus points off of it. I didn't actually end up really needing it. Any of the combats he was getting into, he was wounding me on twos anyway. So we took a short break, reset mm-hmm. for matchups, and then we played Come and Take It, which was game two. Uh, for this game and all the others, it was open list, so you couldn't get away with all the nasty little tricks you could build into game one. Uh, this one was a standard deployment. A player with the most shooting attacks gained a plus one to that roll. Um, first turn was normal and the victory conditions for this one were an advanced invade. So it was all units that were within 18 inches of your opponent's board edge rather than center of the table. Uh, Mm -hmm. that made people have to go a little further forward and gamble with things they didn't necessarily want to. Yep. For this one, everyone got a free war machine with two attacks doing blast D three plus two with piercing two. And you got basically kind of like a mortar. Yeah, yeah, like a like a bolt thrower, but not as good. Yeah, somewhere in between a bolt thrower and a cannon. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Giving somebody like an extra little war machine just kind of um, kind of gives you the. Uh, I, and I haven't seen anybody do it yet, but it kind of gives you that anti like, oh, I've got big monsters or big bad tough things. It's something that you can put in the army and you know use against that to maybe pop shot something down a little bit that was a little tough for you to deal with, which was kind of cool, but vice versa, it forces them to go get it and have to get across the table to go get it. So I did have a lot of fun watching one herd player redeploy his like seven times because he didn't know how to set up an arc of fire for it. (laughs) (laughs) I have a shooting attack. What do I do with this? Was it Fred or Mark Bryson? No comment. (laughs) Mark Bryson. (laughs) Uh, that's great oh love it um yeah the uh that was kind of cool but it was one hour i was playing uh ethan schnell where he's got like basically an elf gun line and then you give him another gun <laughs> so um uh, yeah i just kind of pushed forward everything to the nearest forest sat there for a turn like you know get into the forest sit there take what's coming to me and then basically just eat 
eat his entire army. So, like, that's essentially what happened. I sent in my front line, held him up. He went for a he went for a charge on Saki Bai, with, which was hindered and minus one to hit, and didn't work out so great for him, obviously. And uh, capitalized with a flank on that, picked up some big points, and got into the back line, and just continued to eat everything. I think he had a tree man left at the end of it, and I had all except for I think two units on the board. But the funny part of that one was uh, simply that. He, he he was he was so he wanted that war machine so bad because it was worth so many extra victory points at the end is that he sent his tree man all the way across the board to go get it and it was on the other side of the forest and I was like okay cool and then he goes into the forest he goes I got you next turn can't get away but he but he put him like an inch from the war machine <laughs> so I just moved it straight forward and moving it that much straight forward got it out of the arc so he couldn't charge it because he was only the one inch away from me. So he couldn't see the war machine, war machine to charge it. It was, he got so mad. I was like, D "Dude, go ahead, man. You can attack it. Have your one point instead of a twenty o." It was just funny to watch him get all. <laughs> what? God damn it! What? No, nothing says wait, awesome wait like be being to a child, the Jeff. kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to you, little shit. I took your well, candy I taught him at the and I'm gonna and jump like, up and down. I was like, never put something one inch away on the flank because people Unless can get out of your arc. Completely locked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, they'll just they can move out of your arc and you always, always like you have a ton of movement and there's no way I could have got away from you if you would have just left it four inches, five inches back. There's no way I can get away from you. There's no reason to be one inch on top of me. You know. But he was, go for he, was, you. he was great to play. My game two, I got to play uh, Lex Lex Simon. Oh, nice! Yeah, and man, that was that was a tough game too. That game was really swingy um, back and forth. Um, God, that that fucking that stone thrower. Um, uh huh. It it shot my my rat demon like two turns in a row and did like something crazy i think he stacked up like 12 or 13 wounds on him and was like shit <laughs> yeah those things are awesome for their points too man yeah when they fucking hit yeah they are um so he he did that to me so i had to hide that dude behind the building for for fucking ever <clears throat> and then basically we just takes him out of the game otherwise he gives him up the, gives well, up the points yeah exactly it takes him out of the game but then i have to jump him across into the 18 inch line um and then I think I got some, I got some advantageous moves, uh, some near, somewhere near the center, and then uh, I managed to take out some of his smaller stuff. But it was still a real tight game. Um, it wasn't huge, one way or the other. And I think maybe it was like a thirteen or a sixteen point win. And I don't even remember if it was him or me that won. But uh, yeah, so it was it was a good game though. It was a lot of fun. Sounds awesome. Uh, we broke for lunch after game two, and then we came back for game three, which was the piñata, which has to be done in the appropriate voice. Uh, piñata was done as a expanded dominate game. Rather than having to have everyone entirely within 12 inches, uh, the rules said it had to be a clear majority of the unit. And to deal with those people that tried to finagle that, we said, if you have to check, it's not clearly a majority. 
And that <laughs> fixed any question we had about whether something was majority within or not. Uh-huh. Uh, so for this one, the center of the board had a piñata. The piñata was a living legend individual war machine with height 3. Whenever you did damage to it, it treated it like wind blast. So every time you would have tested its nerve, you just moved it around. Uh, you could pop it over units if you hit it hard enough, but if you didn't, it would stop in front of them. So you had all kinds of great shenanigans you could do to stop opponents moving or force them to charge it. Um, uh, shooting weapons couldn't use their piercing against it, because as we all know, you're supposed to smack a piñata with a bat rather than throw shit at it. Um, and then I had a fun little thing that was a holdover from the previous game we played, where if you did no damage to the piñata in a combat, it would do d3 points of damage to every unit engaged with it, and then move them back. Uh, and then, of course, to make it more interesting, the piñata inspired everyone within 6 inches. I thought it was 12 inches. Maybe it was, it was, maybe it was, it was six. 6 for the inspiring. Yeah. It was, it oh, was yeah, right. regular dominate, though, right? It, the dominate didn't follow the pinata. Right. It was regular. Correct. Yeah. It was that's, regular that's dominate. Center of the board. Yeah, I I, I can go first because this is a pretty quick breakdown. Um, I got to play Jeff Franz, and he had a ground and pound abyssal mm -hmm. dwarf list, and I had you know my weak ass rats. So I was like, well, there's no way I can send most of these units into that pinata and do any damage. So I had to pick one or two to to do some wounds to it just to make sure I. You know, didn't completely lose on that, but I don't think Jeff realized we were playing dominate until I started like diving towards the center and leaving open like really obvious flanks and stuff. And he starts picking up units, and then the game ends, and I'm like, okay, cool. So uh, this is within twelve. That's within twelve. That's within twelve. And he's like, what are you? Wh what? And I go, dude, it's dominate. <laughs> he goes, oh shit. Oh, <laughs> like half. Half of the stuff that he probably could have moved around differently, we could have dove in. Um, I don't know if it would have offset all my points though. So I think I think I ended up winning that one. But it was a tough game, man. There, his stuff was so hard to kill. Oh man, his army's his army's solid too, man. Everything is crazy defense. Got fucking Basusu flying around. Yeah. I uh. I mashed up with Brad McKay, which I was not super excited about because I don't really like mirror matches, especially mirror matches where his entire army flies. <laughs> but um, anyway, like he had a he had two arch fiends, uh, well of souls, two hordes of tortured souls, some chaff, and a flying champion with defense. <laughs> so it's just. It was rough, and then lightning bolts on everything. So um, coming into it, I was like, "Oh, your list is way better than mine." <laughs> but I have more drops, so I mean, um, it was funny that everybody like shit on the locusts because that was one of the things. Is I are the larva. I took the larva for this tournament because everybody's been talking crap on them on the forums and how incredibly pointless they are. I I don't consider running them all the time, man. Like, uh, I only got to play two test games uh, with this list before I came to the tournament. So, And it was versus the same list um, versus uh, Sean Malloy's Basileans. 
And man, I'll tell you, those larvae died one time the whole tournament, and they did their job in an objective-based thing, just like this one where I played Brad. They went over, they they sat on where they're supposed to get, and they're just like, bro, come get it. Like, <laughs> you want it that bad? Come on, come get it. And uh, they're they're pretty hard to move them. Like, they're pretty hard to break for their price point. They worked out pretty good. And um, I just think that little fear factor of not wanting to engage because you know you're going to bounce off really got in a lot of people's heads. Like, we'll go over later, but... Um, versus brad he kept flying all over the place and he I'm, I'm the guy that always says regiments of tortured souls are better than hordes of tortured souls and they it just prevailed on this one um i was able to get more angles on he was than he was i forced him to make some charges because like you either do it or you don't like you've got all the fly go ahead do all your combo charges and it just ended up working out in my favor uh, i think he had a archfiend left on the table and i had about half my army and I got it all into the um, dominate zone so was able to pull out I believe I believe it was a 15 or a 16 versus him but I mean I never really like doing like you know uh, demons on demons or ratkin on ratkin it's just it's one of those ones where it's like ugh, it can be such a pain After that, we did a quick break setting up and jumped into game four, which was bigger in Texas. Uh, this one was a lesson slash reminder to me not to do a wordy scenario for game four because everyone's drunk and ignores it. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> this one had a lot of things going on in it. Yeah. Um, the scenario was basically kill and pillage. So everyone got to put down, uh, I think, D3 plus four tokens on the table. And then everyone got an extra token that one of their units was carrying around with them. And then there were complicated rules to handle how to deploy those while keeping them away from other tokens. And really, that was just annoying as shit. And I'll figure out a better way around that. Um, to make the game more fun, everyone got a free drinking buddy, which was a monster with speed 5, melee 4, defense of 5, d6 plus 5 attacks, a nerve of dash 19, with brutal, crushing 3, and strider. Basically a giant, but a little slower. Yeah, yeah slower, slower giant. Because he was drunk. And that was the game. It was basically just kill and pillage. You got 200 points for every uh, objective marker. You had 5 to 7 of them on the table. And people smashed face. Yeah, I I think the most confusing part about this one was the where we and we weren't using comp pack, but there's like a FAQ of what what claims pillage tokens and what doesn't claim pillage tokens, and then there's then you're giving a pillage token to a unit, but does that make it restricted to a movement? And then it was like there was like a loot token. Oh, but it's not a loot token; it's a pillage. Like it was, it because basically it turned into kill loot pillage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was, it was a little well, it's, bit different. It's there. pillage with a mobile pillage token. Sure, sure. Um, so I mean, like I I, I ended up playing Steve Schifani. He's a good player. Um, I, we we had a we had a pretty good game. He had a massive amount of shooting. It's just basically a massive gun line um, with a whole crap load of chaff. And 
I was under the impression because we talked at the beginning of the game that you know pillage tokens can't be uh, captured by war machines so we kind of played it that way and then at the end it was hey I'm pretty sure they can be captured by war machines so ended up turning like a tie into like a 15 point win for him because of that but there's a really long story that goes into that one that I don't care to go into at the moment. But um, basically, just so you guys know, water is not impassable. It's water. It's height zero and gives cover. And <laughs> Except we had said earlier that it did not give cover. It, except for specifically in your tournament, it says it does not give cover. It's just impassable. Or it's just a dangerous just terrain. Difficult. See, yeah, you just, just said impassable. Just, just difficult now, terrain. Yeah. Now you're perpetuating so, myth. <laughs> just so you guys know, it is not impassable. And if you ask somebody, hey, I was told this was impassable, and then they let you off with it, that's a pretty nice guy. Just saying. <laughs> it's also explicitly stated in the tournament pack, terrain yeah. feature, first listing, water, height zero, terrain type, I, difficult. Bro, I know. I know. Just but, saying. Read your tournament packs you know, when you get to a tournament, I guys. Am... I don't do it either, to be honest. If, when it's turn two and you I did. Blank... I saw it. Because I pointed yeah. it out to you on Friday night, Jeff. I go, look at that. Yep. I know what. No that's cover. Why I told. That's yeah. why I told Ryan. I said, hey, just point this out to people when you start because it's going to come up. And evidently, people weren't listening. <laughs> I guess because, the answer for that is I need to be louder. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just like, oh, I had this flank on whatever that halfling tank is for Roidia. I had this flank with my flying crushing strength two guy that will almost certainly destroy this thing and probably win me the game because then I'll get flanks on everything else immediately. Do I want to be that guy? No, if you genuinely thought, or you know, <laughs> if you genuinely thought it was impassable, I'm not going to be that guy, and then it bites you in the ass, but oh well. It was still it was still a good game. It still came down to the wire. It still came down to him needing the seventh turn and getting a seventh turn to pull it from a tie to a win for him. So <clears throat> reroll token. Yeah, that's how it became a seventh turn. <laughs> reroll for the seventh turn. <laughs> yeah. So. That that actually happened to me in my game four too. Did uh, it really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um was playing Michael Percy and he had Varengar and so having all those tokens in the middle of the board just gave him an even bigger advantage for like, hey, come across and kick the shit out of Mark. Which he did. He did really well. <laughs> um he, he kicked the snot out of me. So then we're going in, I'm like, okay, cool. I, I can keep this close. You know, well, I'm the bottom of the turn. Let's roll to see if we can go to turn seven. I can't remember if I needed turn seven or if he did. But I just remember that whichever one I needed failed. And uh, that either gave, let, they either locked the win up for him or that gave him the next turn and locked the loss up for me. One of the two. Anyway, um, he played really well. He jumped all over my ass and beat a bunch of stuff into the ground. And I couldn't really recover too fast from it. Uh, I had a I had like one or two opportunities, but my dice just didn't really kind of pick up and help me out any. And so he just capitalized and kept running through me. But yeah, pretty pretty solid loss on that one. I think it, it 
pretty damn close to a zero if it wasn't. But yeah, that was game four. That was game four. We then all went and got drunk. Yeah, yeah, we did. Except I didn't. I went home and stayed up with my daughter because she was cute and cuddly. And two a.m. is when you want to play with a two-month-old, right? At two a.m., I want to play golf with parking cones. <laughs> I should have brought her down. She would have enjoyed that. <laughs> it was pretty damn enjoyable. Oh man! And then Sean did. Uh, Sean Malloy did Dizzy Bat, and he face planted while laughing. Yeah, I did. He like he face planted and ate <laughs> ate the cement, dude. It yeah. was crazy. He went face first because he he was sitting there spinning around, just giggling, going he 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 fell. No hands, no nothing. Just boom. Just, just used his front lip as his uh, as his cushion. Uh, but he was fine. We we put some beer on it, and it was all right. Put some beer on it, bitch. I don't even... Jeff, did you stay out the whole time or did you go home earlier? No, I went out to um, dinner with uh, Todd and Robbie and then just randomly I started feeling not good at all. Like I was going to throw up in the restaurant. Like just, just totally hit me and I was like, I'm I'm going to head back because <laughs> I just started like, I don't know what was wrong with me. You just get that... that weird like gut feeling where you're just like oh god like and i wasn't even like hammered or anything so i don't know what the fuck it was but i did not feel good all of a sudden i got like all pale and shit so i don't know what the fuck was going on but did not feel good so i went back to the room about 10 o'clock and went to bed i was gonna say because you were in the room and we came in at like whatever that was one or two yeah yeah, it was probably a good idea because I felt way better the next day. Cause I, oof, I was not. Feeling, I, I, I almost called Ryan that night just to say I might not be there in the morning if I'm not just giving my opponent someone like that's how bad I felt. So that would it would have sucked. Yeah, I know <laughs> it would have sucked, but I like at that point I was like I, I really don't feel good. <laughs> So, uh, but I mean, shook it off and was able to make it out there the next morning, and that was good. Countercharge. Countercharge is the first podcast totally dedicated to the game Kings of War. Join your hosts, Andrew, Mark, and Rob, as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. You can find us on iTunes and at OhioHammer.com, a proud member of the Ohio Hammer Network of Podcasts. Guys, we need a bumper to share with you the Mantic Podcasts. No swearing allowed. Oh, real professional. The Fourth of Snake is a UK-based Kings of War podcast, presented by John. I want to be an individual. Dan. Nick. Can I go to the toilet, please? And Matt. You can find us on Facebook at OFFS and on Twitter at O4FootSnake. And you can find us on iTunes. That's 32 points of damage. Let's do a nerve check. Anything but snake eyes. Oh, for fuck. But for game five, um, there was a lot of juggling on the TO side. I hope. I don't think it affected anyone but poor Mr. Grajeda, who was sitting there waiting for an opponent who never showed up. 
because um, I knew one player was going to miss most of the game. His daughter was doing a gymnastics performance at the Alamo Dome that he wanted to go support her, and I've always said family comes first, so yeah, yeah that's fine. Just come back for game six. But then the patriarch of Alamo, Mr. John Bailey, no-shows Sunday morning what? game five. What? Did he really? To the point where we called him. He wouldn't answer the phone when I called, but Mr. Justin Belusa got a hold of him, and John goes, yeah, I'm not going to make game five. <laughs> he must have been hammered, dude. <laughs> he He crashed really hard, and he needed the rest. He came back, he trooped through it and made game six, but... Old man Bailey. There was some great T.O. scrambling of, okay, how do I juggle the fact that I have four, no, three, no, two no-shows? Right. So game five was the Goliad Massacre, and this is based on something that the wonderful douchebag General Santa Ana did during the Battle of Goliad, where he executed prisoners so he wouldn't have to waste time guarding them. Much like... King Henry V did in the Battle of Agincourt. So for this one, this was a loot scenario where there were three loot tokens in the middle of the board. We then, to make things confusing, gave everyone a loot token <laughs> in the center of their deployment zone that was worth nothing to them, but was worth two loot tokens for the enemy. Mm-hmm. So you wanted to get across and grab their prisoners and get the and yet defend the one you had in your camp. Mm-hmm. And that was that was the game. It was actually pretty straightforward in terms of I scenario. liked this one. Maybe. Yeah, I liked this one a lot. I, I really, like, genuinely like this one because it, it makes you think. Because you, you want to go get their one that's worth two, but that's a pretty big commitment. And to get it and then get it back off your side is just not going to happen. So you're going to get it and then try and defend it. So what ended up happening in my game with uh, Dustin Howard, who um, I gave my second best game vote to because it was between him and Robbie, but uh, Dustin had a great army, really super tooled up for this, but it was one of those things that's like, we were probably like two people in the room that are completely evenly matched on skill and on armies. And we both said it coming into it is that one of us is taking an 11-9 or we're tying. <laughs> you know, we knew going into it. And we're just like, okay, well, let's see what it's going to be. And he's got this Night Stalkers list with just a ton of monsters. And it's really super mobile, really hitty, and kind of reactive to what you do. And then he had a couple fiend units and stuff that could get over there and get objectives. So what did I do? It's like, cool, those fiends are not going to touch a goddamn thing all game. You you push him for it. I dare you. I dare you to push him for it. <laughs> and he, he went for it, man. And I just lit those fuckers up with the Ifrits all game long, blew them out of the water. Just I wasn't having it. Like, just was not going to let them play. So it was essentially... Dustin's monsters versus my army at that at some point um he got a couple he got like a surge off that I did not see coming I mean it was really by the width of a piece of paper how close it was that's how close it was um so ours ended up being that I pushed up my my larva unit into the middle uh piece and was just like cool Dustin come get it bro (laughs) like 
because you are just never going to break those larvae with what he has. And if he does, he's basically saying he's going to lose whatever broke it with it because they go boom. And then I've got two Efreets to just like clean up, mop up. Um, but he, he's got those two big Shadow Hulks, man. And those fuckers with that healing guy behind them, I swear to God, like if you don't have something to deal with them, you, you're, it's going to be a bad day, man. Luckily, I had enough volume of shots and stuff to eventually get through them. I had one more loot token than he did at the end of the game. I kept on trying like force him to really overcommit to this other side over here versus my Archfiend and my stuff that's a little bit more intimidating looking, but it's not really where the, the battle is going to matter because I'm trying to draw his focus away from the other stuff that he could actually get. So in the long long run, it turns out to be a 12-8 uh, in my favor. Um, I had a chance to make it a little bit bigger, but didn't end up working out. So 12-8 uh, is what it washed out to be. It was a great game. I usually really liked Dustin's list a lot. Mark, how'd yours go? I got to play Robbie King for the... Uh, <laughs> he had to play both of us? Shit like the third or fourth time in a row at a two-day event we've always played on game five with kings of war and uh so so we already know how this game goes uh we just get really shitty drunk <laughs> and mm -hmm. then somebody wins the game uh as always very tight gameplay between the two of us uh robbie made a mistake and i think the alcohol was getting to him because he let it get into his head way more than it should have so I had to actually be like, no, dude, come on. You can do this. Just play the game. It's fine. Uh, but we were drinking four Locos, and then we had uh, red beer, and we put vodka in that. Oh, that was and, horrible. Uh, that was oh, no, so it was, bad. It was so it was, fucking horrible. It was good. Tito's is, like, disgusting. I'm just saying. You're stupid. You're retarded. It's horrible. No, nobody likes your opinion. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we were doing that, and then... At some point, Luke Schnell came over and he was like, "Hey, man, uh, I bought a whole lot of Halloween oh candy." Oh my god! And, and nobody, Schnell, <laughs> nobody, I am gonna kill that guy. Nobody came by, so here's here's like f full bags of Skittles, and so me and Robbie start like throwing them at people. You cannot the give room. these children candy, Luke. <laughs> Do not feed the animals. Yeah, it I was think, it was very disappointing that people were throwing Skittles all game. I mean, it was terrible. You couldn't get anything done. It was hilarious. I, I had two bags too. I, <laughs> yeah, I know because you started counter battering us. The best the best one was when you chucked one and hit Bowman in the back of the neck during he who was having yes, like a really yeah. serious game. Yeah. He was in a super tense set like situation against Shifani, uh -huh. and I whip it over and it tags him. And like I obviously turned away or whatever. And Robbie, anytime one of us would throw, the other person would spy. So Robbie kind of spied over there. He goes, dude, that shit looks really intense over there. And I, I kind of look over and I'm like, holy shit, it really is. <laughs> but uh, I think the best shot of the uh, of the game was when, because I was on one side of the the hall. Like we were right near the, uh, the far exit to where we parked the car, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, on like table 27 or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. And uh, so I turn around and I throw it to the total opposite side of the hall. So I go over one, two, like three or four tables, mm -hmm. rows of tables. 
and Mike Hingel is sitting down no playing way. somebody. Playing Malfo. Malfo. Oh, yeah, yeah all the yeah. way on the back table. And, yep. and, yeah, on the back wall. And then the table right in front of him is Chad Pond. And Chad Pond <laughs> stands at, like, six foot. Yep. Six foot one, something like that. Yeah. And I, I, I shit you not, I, I whip this, like, two inches over Chad's head. And I hit Hingel, like, somewhere in dead center mass of his body. I could not see him. I knew he was there. Because I could see his arms on either side of Chad, so I, I best shot of the game, right? There. And you just see him pop, like what the hell? <laughs> I don't, I don't think he had any idea. Like there were some people who would see Skittles like drop on the table, and they would think it was dice, and you'd see him like jump down to try and find it. <laughs> that was hilarious too. Um, and then Robbie kept turning around, and Nathan Arnold was sitting behind him. And yeah, Robbie just, I remember. Yeah. Robbie just kept putting Skittles in his pocket because he had like short pockets that were kind of open. Yeah. So <laughs> Robbie, Robbie put no less than like thirty Skittles in that guy's pocket. He's and like later on. He's like this guy eventually <laughs> is gonna find all these Skittles in his pocket and be like, oh my and he, god, and he did. The rainbow. He, he put his hand in his pocket to like get his keys or whatever, and he kept pulling candy out. He's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Skittles commercial. It really secrets was. out, Nathan. Now you know who to blame. Oh my god! If, if I see Nathan Arnold and he doesn't have Skittles in his pocket, I'm going to punch him in the face. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was. But see that that's that's what Alamo was, and that's why I really enjoy Alamo is because crazy shit like that happens, and uh, that was that was a perfect way to to end the day out for me with Game Five. Um, yeah. So then we had Game Six, right? Yeah, there was a game six after that. You haven't ended the day out yet. Well, although let me let me do a TO's note. It was worth the twenty minutes spent sweeping up Skittles after it was done. <laughs> All right, Damn game right six was. was remember the Alamo. Remember the Alamo was a straightforward kill scenario, but once during the game you could announce that a unit was remembering the Alamo. Uh, you did that at the start of the turn before you moved anyone and announced which unit it was. That unit gains Elite and Vicious, and if it already has one or both of them, it gains Brutal as well. On top of that, they treated any nerve test of a double as a hold your ground. So basically, you remembered the Alamo, and you got better. And I got to yell at you if you yelled it out. Nice. Didn't read that second part. Uh, We read the second part as the opposite, where it was all of your opponent's units got the doubles to count as <laughs> inspiring when you were trying to break them. No, so, other way around. Oopsies. It makes you harder to break. Yeah, that's that's what I thought, but oh well. Not a big deal. So Mark, yeah. you had uh, Luke Schnell for this one. Yeah, yeah. So I had my Skittles, Skittles benefactor um, in, <laughs> in game six. And this is somebody that when I got into the hobby, he started the Bayou tournament. And he was like, the epitome of the gamer. He was a really good painter. He was an amazing sportsman and he was an amazing general. And like, as, as I grew up into the tournament scene, like that has always been my gold standard for who I want to be like. Um, I've never gotten to play him. I've always gotten to hang out with him a a whole lot, especially back in sixth edition, uh, Warhammer, but I'd never actually got to play him. And so I'd always wanted to. And now that he's coming back into the scene, you know, I get to play him, and I get to play him at Alamo. Um, it was an amazing, like, hey, you've been doing this stuff for like 15 years. Here you go. Here's your treat. 
here you go, Mark. Here's here's your your dream game, and he's playing a Night Stalkers list that is pretty decent. Um, he was a little rusty on it because you know he and I were talking and he had watched the YouTube thing where he was like, "Yeah, you're right. I really don't have a whole lot of practice with this." And I go, "This is a really fucking good list, Luke." Um, and it was it was it was a really really tight game. Um, really, really well executed. I had like one or two snake eyes that popped up on me, um, to try and kill his stuff. And that, that kind of offset me a little bit, but in the, in the same vein, it kind of helped me a little bit too, cause it, it blocked some of his other stuff off. Um, and then I wavered his, uh, what's the, what's the big demon thingy for night stalkers, the flying void lurker. Yeah. Yeah. His void lurker. I, I wavered that dude like three turns in a row or two turns in a row. And then I finally killed him. And that saved him from, you know, diving in and rear charging something of mine, uh, which helped me out a whole lot. Um, I think that game I got like 15 points on, but just really great game with Luke all the way around. I love that guy. Really glad to see him back in the scene. I am too. Yeah, for sure, man. He's been been good to see him and and his kids. Yeah. Yeah. How was your Uh, game six, Jeff? Well, I pulled the one list at the entire tournament I really did not want to fight. <laughs> um, not because not because I uh, have any issue with playing it. It's because I legitimately took everything out of my list. I've played him before. I played Eric Nelson, and uh, his list wasn't super far off from what it normally is with the rack and shooting list. But I pulled out all of my stuff that I can typically get into those kinds of lists with. Um, I pulled out a lot of that stuff so that I could field these other units that people have been shitting on on the forums. That's what you get for taking pointless larvae, Jeff. Yeah, but that you know what? I had a lot of fun with them. So regardless of it, you not not being as maybe competitive, it was certainly it was certainly still good. Um, it just when you don't have that flying individual to go hit stuff that you really need to do work on quick, and you don't have um, you know the fast nimble stuff to break around stuff it's it makes it it's an uphill battle so i was gonna sit back and just you know let him shoot for a couple turns then just sit in the middle and take my minor loss but i started doing math ahead of time and i was like you know i'm probably like seventh or eighth right now on battle points you know taking a zero or taking a 10 is probably not i'm still not going to podium anything i may as well play the game um and at least try and have fun with it and uh you know him having first turn and rolling out of the goddamn box for his shots was a pretty big motivator because i was already losing like 200 points in turn one but um (laughs) So it, I was just like, cool, I guess I'll try. And then uh, just the long story short of it is like I took a gamble. It didn't work out. I needed to roll on dice. I needed to roll an eight twice. And it would have been breaking uh, his ogre, his rat ogre units, and then flanking his entire army out of it is what it would have came down to. And really, I mean, it it was down to that could have been a massive swing for me and then could have really shot me up but it didn't work out so hot i didn't didn't roll what i needed to it cost me pretty much the game there i kept on trying to fight my way back didn't end up happening it just couldn't uh couldn't fight my way back worth anything and he ended up pulling a 19-1 on me 
in the mm. last game. So it's rough when you don't have anything to kind of counter the 80 or 90 <laughs> shots with piercing one. So it's rough, but we can do. Complain about it on the internet. Right. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. But I mean, it, it was it was a good game regardless. I it was it, I did have I did have some chances, and I just went for it, and it didn't work out. So, and he appreciated it because I said, you know, the smart thing on the table is I said the smart thing is I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna take a draw, but I don't come to not play the game. So regardless, I'm gonna play it, and he was just like, yeah, you know, it'll be at least more fun for us regardless which was cool and, a- and after the game he's like you know you totally could have sat back there and stuff but you know both of us want to win we may as well try and win so couldn't couldn't fault him for it it was fun and now we're to play your army mm-hmm. this one got a little silly too um i know one table walked away and i decided to punish them by picking up their table and rotating it on them <laughs> yeah, they went out for a smoke break, and because of the way Ryan's tables are, uh, mm-hmm, he's got yeah, spin them around. Yeah, he's he's got six by four, uh, like spines underneath the plate surface, but it's not attached to the table. So he he picked it up and he did a full one eighty rotation where where the dude was standing, his opponent's army was there, and where the other dude was standing. His opponent's army was there, so like they looked down and their armies were on the total opposite end of the boards. <laughs> it's like, oh, what the hell? That that was really, really well played, Ryan. I, I, you know, I thought I had done the uh, the ultimate to prank on a on a player, but you got two players with one, so I'm gonna have to figure out a way to to one up you there next year. It was worth it just trying to see them figure out if they were really that drunk to, was I on that side? What the fuck? It was great fun. And that was Alamo. We totaled up points and we handed out some awards and then cleaned up the hall and I went home and slept for like six hours. It was great. Yeah, all in all, man, like, great tournament. Had a good time. I don't think there's anything I would have changed. Um, had a great time with the list. Got some feedback to some people about the larva and uh, the uh, um, abyssal guard units, which, I mean, people just haven't been super excited about. And I think they're totally viable in the right circumstances. So just goes to show, like, no matter what, no matter what units you look at, and you're like, eh, man, uh, yeah, not that great. Um, it just, it's all in how you use it. I think that, I think that there's different, different strokes for different folks in this game. And uh, just because I, I like something like I really like the succubi. There's not a lot of people that really enjoy them very much. It's, it's just one of those, just one of those things. Is like. Mark really likes to take plague monks, but not everybody. Re- everybody would rather run three things of the, you know, shock troops. Um, shock troops, you know, and it's just it's all flavor, man. It's it's all how you play it and set it up proper. So, I don't know. Any takeaways you had apart from that, Mark? <laughs> uh, I hate kill and pillage. 
but I hated, <laughs> I hated killing pillage walking into that tournament. So it didn't really change my mind. Just reaffirmed that I don't like that scenario at all. Uh, I'll well, no, go ahead. It was fun from my point of view to see the players that only ever believe in kill have to deal with three scenarios that had nothing to do with kill. Yeah. Right. You play invade, you play dominate a lot differently than kill, and you play loot a little differently than you play kill. I would make the argument that some army builds can play the scenarios just the same way they would with kill as they would other ways. I know a lot some of people of disagree with me on that, but yeah, there some are some very specific list builds that I have seen that can absolutely play kill through the entire game and still win the scenario because of sure. how badly they kill stuff. Um, so I, I get the concept that the general list is, is going to have to play the scenario, but you know, I'm still trying to come up with ways to curtail the kill focus list, even if we're not taking kill scenarios. And that's kind of been my little pet project for some of the lone wolf stuff that I'm working on. Yeah. All in all, I was pretty happy with this one and it didn't feel mm-hmm. like it was super kill straightforward or anything no, like that but it really. felt like you could you could still focus around kill a little bit and keep yourself out if if you needed to shoot up some stuff then go at it then it was doable but i don't know it was there were still a couple scenarios in here that you could kind of go for kill and then pick up the stuff at the end but it was still one of those things that it makes the people play a little different early game it could catch them off balance because they need to get into you faster and they can't afford to do mexican standoffs with you all game like they would prefer to do i did like that there wasn't a lot of um capability to take the flyer spammed list and just hop on to stuff at the ends um that's where the it, that's where the cockpack jumps in though, and we knew yeah, that that was going to be a next year thing anyway. So right, yeah, it, I it wasn't it wasn't too bad there in my opinion because a lot of the stuff was c- controlling stuff and it's it's generally easier to pick up some of those flyer units earlier and force them to come in. So I think you get a lot if the more loot ones you have over the pillage ones, the pillage ones are start a little bit easier in my opinion when you have the flyer spam stuff. Uh, well, that's, you ha- that's why I like to go back to the, the control points for units as opposed yeah. to just using their, their point yeah. value. Exactly. Yeah. I like that too. I, I think, I think so too, because typically, yeah. typically flying units are more expensive as it is. And you just throw those points over in those control points and you're like, Oh cool. I have more points, you know? So, but pillage in general right now is just have something there to contest it regardless of points. So, I like the rerolls. I like the concept with both yeah. of them. Uh, the I liked it for day one too, because then yeah, day two yeah, it's day, like day you're on top only. tables. Like we don't want rerolling to affect it. It worked out pretty well, I think. And even if you do go to the full two day, at least you've kind of stepped your players into it over the course of two years. You've gone, okay, well here's day one, here's day one and day two. Mm-hmm. And then if they if they really hated it, you could always go back. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know next year. I haven't decided yet if it'll be both days or still just day one. I kind of like doing it day one. I like day one also. But, yeah, it's good. I mean, I'd play it either way. It's not like I'm not going to come back to Alamo next year. Right. I know there were some... I, I was very worried initially that there would be a lot of, oh, you're letting them buy a win. 
Only four people no. chose not to buy at least no. one of them. Yeah, dude, that's far from buying a freaking win, though, man. Like, Picking up a uh, reroll is not necessarily buying a win. I, yeah. it, it can feel that way, but... It's more, in my, in my opinion, it's uh, it's a anti-fail device. <laughs> more more than it is an anti-win, you know, a, a free win. It's an anti-fail. <laughs> so... I think it's pretty far from a win. All right. Well, you guys want to call it there? I know Ryan's got stuff to do. Yep. I got a baby to go take care of. Yep. Ooh, sounds good. Right. I can't wait. All right. Well, join us next time where we will be doing our Forces of Nature Army review as voted by our Twitter followers. If you didn't see that we put a vote up for that, like, probably damn near two months ago at this point because we've been so goddamn busy then you don't follow us on twitter and you should follow us on twitter because it will alert you to things of that nature where you'll be able to vote about what you want to hear or when one of us gets drunk and decides to start trolling the others That's that true. works too <laughs> so uh do we want to do a poll on there for a uh, silly voice ryan should read the nature list stuff in Oh, yeah, totally. You should put one up on there. Let's put one up on there. Yeah. All right. Well, listen to the end of the episode. You'll Brian hear how you can follow us on vote. the Twitters. Did you, do you have the Twitter thing on the tag at the end? I can't remember. I believe it is there. If not, it's the beer face at the beer face. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on there. Pretty easy. All right. Well, we'll see you fuckers next time. Cool. Later. Night. And you can continue following us on Twitter at HumbleJeff13 for Jeff. At BeerWog for Ryan. Or my blog at thebeerwog.blogspot.com. At CapAMR05 for Mark. At TheBeerPhase, all one word, for the entire podcast. Or if you have to contact us by email... You know, if you want to say something for a long period of time, you can contact us at thebeerphase at gmail.com. That's thebeerphase, all one word, at gmail.com.
you've been. Thunderstruck.